Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. We're in Mark chapter 9 again. We're going to be doing Jesus Transfiguration Part 2. Because we're going to be looking at the transfiguration in the Old Testament. Anything in the New Testament you can find in the Old Testament. They're all, it's all connected. So we're going to have fun with this one. If you missed last week, get the CD or listen to the podcast. Because today is a continuation. It's part two. We saw last week the only confirmed alien sighting in the history of the planet Earth. The only confirmed one. But this was no E.T. All right? Phone home. It wasn't E.T. This was something much more beautiful he was cute but jesus beautiful awesome what what jesus really looks like in heaven what he what he looked like before he was born what he looks like today what he really looked like without the the human skin on him right what he looked like just an awesome picture of the really only true alien appearance in the history that we know for sure there may be other ones i don't want to get in the middle of that don't want to start that this morning but the only one that we know for sure is this one the God-man, Jesus Christ. And we looked at Mark 9. We looked at the parallel passages in, in Luke 9 and Matthew 17. We saw that, remember, Moses and Elijah were also there in glorious splendor. But their splendor was nothing compared to Jesus' splendor and his glory. Because, uh, but it was still glorious. Still glorious what they appeared of. And it's also a hint. You see what the description of, of Moses and Elijah? That's a hint of what our resurrected bodies will be like someday. That's a picture of us. Nothing like Jesus, but it's still going to be glorious. It's going to be awesome. What we're going to look like in heaven, what, what it's going to be like in heaven. We also talked about Jesus, how his transfiguration is connected to our transformation. Jesus' transfiguration is connected to our transformation. In fact, the same word, the same Greek word used for Jesus' transfiguration is also used of our transformation in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. We talked about that, right? And, and, and how, how it's very important for us to be transformed, just as Jesus was transfigured, for us to be transformed spiritually, to live that surrendered life, and to have our minds renewed. Once again, if you weren't here, get the CD, listen to the podcast, because it all connects it, and it's just a powerful passage. Then I also gave you an assignment for today. Can you find a picture, a type of the transfiguration in the Old Testament. A type is a prophetic picture. That's when we use the word a type. It's a prophetic picture in the Old Testament of something that's going to be realized and seen in the New Testament. And I gave you the hint to look in Exodus, and many of you sent me texts and emails, and, and you, a lot of you found bits and pieces of it. We're going to give, look at the whole picture today. Now, some of you were looking at Christophanies. A Christophany is an appearance of Christ before he was born. And there's many places in the, in the Old Testament where there's a description of the angel of the Lord or some other way they describe somebody who appears. And when you look at the description of that and you match it up with Revelation, you can see it's, it's really Jesus appearing, the pre-incarnate Christ appearing. And that's called a Christophany, a Christophany. And some of you found those Christophanies, and those are good, but, but what we're going to look at today is a specific event. It's not a Christophany, but it's a specific event that prefigures the transfiguration. There's also for, an assignment for next week, because I didn't get, through the, get the revelation today. But next week, your assignment is there's a connection with the transfiguration with the book of Revelation, a future picture 
and connection. So can you find that for next week? And I'll give you a hint. Moses and Elijah. That's my hint. Okay, so that's for next week. Let's pray before we get started. Father, we thank you for bringing us all through many things this week. Some of us through trials, some of us through battles, temptations, some through exhaustion, being up all night on retreats, through a lot of different things, Lord. We just thank you for even finding a parking spot this morning with all that's going on. We thank you for bringing us through many things to be here today, this morning, for this worship, and now for your word. And just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us. It's just powerful, your word. It's just so powerful. Just pray your Holy Spirit would speak to us through this. And through this, let us know your son Jesus better and be closer to him through this. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm going to read the transfiguration again. Verses 1 through 8. And he said to them, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. After six days, hint, hint, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up on a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were also talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. Now, once again, if you are here last week, you, you, we looked at the parallel passages. If you weren't here, get the CD, listen to the podcast. There's so much there. It's, it's wild. But we're going to focus on the Old Testament type this morning. And it's interesting that Moses is at this transfiguration because he's involved in the type of the transfiguration in the Old Testament, as many of you found. First hint was six days. Six days. That was a hint I gave you last week, right? That's our first clue to look for the six days. Now remember, last week we saw that Luke, the parallel passage, said about eight days. Why did Luke say about eight days and, and Matthew and Mark say exactly six days? Well, obviously the Bible's not inspired and they made a mistake, right? That's what some of your professors tell you in colleges and, and what you hear on the PBS specials, you know? Well, no, not at all. That's, it's called not understanding the Bible. Luke... When he wrote it, he said about eight days because that's an idiom, a Greek idiom for about a week later. So when, you know how we say about, uh, about a week? Well, the, the Greek idiom here from this time was about eight days. So he's just saying about a week ago. But the Holy Spirit leads Mark and Matthew to write exactly the exact time. It wasn't about a week. It was exactly six days because the Holy Spirit was taking them in a direction to teach us something. And... When we see the, the six days, it's a, a hint for the Old Testament type. If we go back to Exodus 24, Exodus 24, starting with verse 15 through 8, go through verse 18. You can follow along here. Watch this. When Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai, for six days the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Then Moses entered the cloud as he went up on the mountain, and he stayed on the mountain 
40 days and 40 nights. So we see this, the six-day connection, first of all, but then it gets really interesting. We also see that cloud settled on the mountain, right? Covered the mountain, and Moses went into that cloud to hear God speak. That's where he got the law from. But connected to the Jesus, what happens with Jesus? A cloud envelops Jesus and everybody who's on the mountain with him, where God spoke to them. Connect the dots. And if you back up in, in Exodus 24 to verse 13, we'll back up a couple verses. Listen to this. Then Moses set out with Joshua, his aide, and Moses went up on the mountain of God. He said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. So here's another connection. We see that he went up on the mountaintop. Moses went up on a mountaintop just like Jesus went up on a mountaintop. But he doesn't take all the elders with him. He leaves them down. And what did Jesus do? He didn't take all the apostles. He left most of them down at the bottom. He only took, away, top, took up his key three, right? We talked about that last week. Moses take, takes up his key guy, Joshua. He took his key guy. Now, Joshua, who Moses took up to the mountain, Joshua is a Hebrew word. The Greek form of Joshua is Jesus. It's the same exact word. When you see Joshua, Jesus, it's the same exact word, just one's Hebrew, one is Greek. And they both mean God saves. God saves. And there's more. Now we'll keep going here. This gets wild. Exodus 34, when Moses went back up on the mountain to get, after he breaks the, the Ten Commandments, you all saw the movie. And uh, he goes back up on it and gets the law again, and God talks to him again. Let's look at what happens after that. Exodus 34, 29 says this. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, so Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. After all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands of the Lord... Afterward, all the Israelites came to him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face, but whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. Okay. People, we see here that when Moses comes down and he's glowing, the people were afraid of him. Just like the disciples were afraid of Jesus when they saw him light up, right? They were afraid. And Moses gave the people God's commands. When he came down, he gave them God's commands. After he, after he lit up, he gave them the commands, gave them the law. Just like Jesus, when he came down, he spoke the word. He didn't just give the word, he spoke the word, and not only that, he was the word. Also, Moses glowed like Jesus did. He was glowing just like Jesus. But there was a big difference between Jesus and Moses. Moses' glory was external. It was a reflected glory. He had a supernatural sunburn. That's what Moses had. What happens with a sunburn? It fades, turns into a tan. Uh, but, but Jesus' glory was internal. Remember we talked about metamorphe, the word it's from the Greek, metamorphe. It's an internal, it comes from internal and, and goes to the outside. It wasn't, he wasn't getting it from outside. He was inside of Jesus and his blinding glory was because he was God's son. He was divine. That's the difference. Moses' glory is different another way. 
Another key way. Why did Moses wear a veil? Why did he do that? Well, 2 Corinthians tells us why. 2 Corinthians explains Moses' veil. Very interesting story here. 2 Corinthians 3 says, verse 7, Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, down to verse 13, we are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. Why did Moses wear a veil? For the same reason I wear a shirt in the summertime. Now, when I grew up on a farm, I never wore a shirt. Farm boys never wore shirts. From the time I was a kid, all summer long, as soon as it was April and the snow melted, we took our shirt off and we went on and on without our shirts. And, I, and we had sunburns and suntans, and, and that's, we just never wore a shirt. If you ever see pictures or old movies of me as a kid, my kids are like, yeah, why aren't you wearing a shirt? We, nobody wore a shirt on the farm. We just went shirtless the whole time. And then I got to be an athlete and, and got strong and farm boy, and I never wore a shirt. I love not wearing a shirt. But interestingly, I started to age. And I didn't want to wear a, walk around not wearing a shirt anymore because I was like, I'm not the same person I used to be. And some of you are laughing, but we, we all have this. The same reason a lot of you ladies color your hair or can't go out without makeup on, right? Uh, the same reason why a lot of celebrities get plastic surgery, nip and tuck. The same reason a lot of athletes, when their, their abilities start to fade, they start to take steroids. You know, they start to pet it up, right? Because they're, they're, Why? Because our egos can't take it. That's why Moses had this amazing supernatural glow. And although he was the most humble man in the history of the world, you read, see it in the Bible, very humble, as humble as he was, he still couldn't bear for the people to see the glory fading. That tan fading, that supernatural sunburn disappearing. He couldn't take it. But Jesus' glory didn't fade. Although he voluntarily took on human form and, 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 and didn't show his full glory the whole time he was on earth. The, the whole time he showed at certain times. But Jesus' glory didn't fade. Jesus' glory it was internal. He had it before he was born in the manger. He has it today. Revelation 1, we looked at that last week. I just want to read a couple verses in Revelation 1 again. Revelation 1, 16 says this. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth, this is Jesus in the book of Revelation, out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. John says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Jesus still looks like that. If he appeared before us right now, we're worshiping and we're feeling and we're close to God. We are. But if he really appeared in his, his, his true Condition, we would all have a simultaneous supernatural seizure. I'm going to say that again because I, I really like this one. A, a simultaneous supernatural seizure. Say that ten times fast. That's what we would all be flat on our faces because it would overwhelm us. That's the difference between Moses and, and, and Jesus. It was internal. It was really him. And there's another connection. There's another really interesting connection here. What is Moses best known for? The Exodus. 
You all saw the old, there's a new one, but I, I still have Charlton Heston in my mind, holding up the rod, you know, and, and the, the Red Sea parts and, and uh, Charlton Heston, right? Still have that in my mind. It, he's be, Moses is best known for the Exodus. That's when Israel was delivered from bondage, from bondage. The word Exodus is actually not in the Hebrew Bible. Did you know that? It's actually not there. When it comes from the Greek word exodos, O-S at the end instead of a U-S, it comes from that. And when the Old Testament was translated into Greek, because that's what everybody was speaking, they put it in the common language, when it was translated into Greek, that was put as a title, all right, exodos. Uh, it means, exodus, exodos, it means exit or departure. That's what the word means. Exodus means Exit or departure. It's a very good title to put on that book because it's all about departing from e Egypt. They were de departing, they were escaping, they were escaping bondage from Egypt. Now, what is Moses talking to Jesus about? We saw that last week. Luke chapter 9. In Luke chapter 9, verse 30, it explains what Moses and Elijah are talking to Jesus about. It says, Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. They were talking to Jesus, Moses talking to Jesus about his departure. Departure. Guess what the Greek for, word for departure, Jesus' departure is? Exodus. It's, right out, it's the exact same word. What is the Holy Spirit doing? He's showing us. He's connecting the dots. He's showing us that Jesus is the second Moses. He's fulfilling what Moses started. By his departure, his exodus, on the, his death on the cross in Jerusalem, he's, just as Moses delivered the, the Israelites from bondage, Jesus will deliver us from our bondage, from sin, from Satan, from, from death itself. He's going to deliver us. And this is another way that Jesus fulfilled the law. We talk about you know, how Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets. This is another way. He completed the type, the prophetic picture of Moses' ministry. Moses' life and ministry foreshadowed what Jesus Christ was going to do for us. But he did so much more than Moses. Put on your seatbelts. You ever get on those roller coasters where you have to wear a seatbelt? Put one on. This is wild. Moses... Jesus did so much more. Moses could not take the people into the promised land. Now, we know it's because he hit the rock, and the rock was Jesus Christ. That whole type was there. But Moses was never going to take the people in the promised land because he couldn't. Moses could not take the people into the promised land. Joshua did. Joshua did it. Joshua means God saves. We already talked about that. Hebrew, the Greek is Jesus, God saves. Joshua did what Moses couldn't do. He took the people into the promised land. Jesus did what Moses' law could not do. The law cannot save us. It cannot take us into the promised land. That's why Joshua had to take the people in. The law can't do that. The law can only show us our sin. Understand something. The law, you can't follow the law and get, get right with God. It's impossible. That's why it takes faith. The law can only show us where we go wrong. It can only show us our sin. That's all it can do. How we have broken God's perfect law. How we have broken his commandments. It can't take us into the promised land. It can't give us the power to live out the law. To keep God's commandments. Only God's grace can do that. 
And we only get God's grace by putting our faith in Jesus, our Joshua. The Israelites faced an impossible obstacle. When they, they got out of Egypt, they went through the Red Sea, and they wandered those 40 years, and then they were ready to cross in the Promised Land, and, and there was a, a, an obstacle before them. The Jordan River was flooded. It was impassable. It was impossible. The word Jordan means spreading judgment. That's what Jordan means. Spreading judgment, that flooded river. They were facing judgment. There was no way through it. But they followed Joshua. Joshua parted that Jordan, parted that judgment. And they were able to follow Joshua through that river to find a new life in the promised land. But first they had to take a step of faith. If you ever read Joshua, and we're gonna, I think we're going to revisit that book after we're done with Mark. Before they could cross that river, they had to step into it. They were following Joshua, but it didn't part until their toes touched the river's edge and it parted. It took a step of faith before that river would part. We are all facing judgment. Every one of us faces judgment. We face death. We face eternal punishment because we have broken God's law. But our Joshua, our Jesus, has made a way to life through the cross. He paid for our sin on that cross and he paved the way through that river of judgment. He paved the way to God through the cross. And if we will put our faith in Jesus, if we will take that step of faith and put our faith in Jesus and follow him, turning from our sin, giving our life to him, he will give us life now and life forever with his Father in heaven someday. And the moment we do that as Christians, the moment we do that, we become a Christian and the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and we will be changed. We will be charged up. This is, this is, a, this is a, a, a spiritual energy that doesn't ever have to fade away. Moses, it faded. You remember when I was a kid, remember those glow-in-the-dark objects? I guess we still have them. But I remember as a kid, you'd get these glow in, these little white things that would glow in the dark. And I remember we had one hanging on our light in my room. It was, when I was a kid, it was a cross hanging there. And when you'd reach up and pull on it, and it would shut the light off, and then it would glow, that, that cross would glow. And I just loved to watch that falling asleep. But it faded. And little by little, it would be real bright, then it would get a little less, a little less, and it would be like, almost like a bluish color and then all of a sudden it, you could barely greenish you could see a little bit and then all of a sudden it would be gone I have to turn the light back on shut it back off it's glowing again it would fade that's what moses glory was like the law moses it, it it faded but we have jesus glory we have the holy spirit inside of us and it doesn't have to fade but we often do don't we we let the fire go out don't we 1 Thessalonians, good one to just memorize and take with you. This one is the one I'm going to leave with you to, to be the final verse. In 1 Thessalonians 5, starting with verse 16, he says, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. 
Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. Right in the middle of that whole passage is do not put out the Spirit's fire. How do we do it? By not praying, by not giving thanks, by not by treating prophecies with contempt. Now prophecies have been written down. It's the word of God. Not being in the word and not discerning. Very important to discern spiritually. And, and uh, the end about sin, avoid every kind of evil. When we don't do that, when we allow sin into our life, we put out the Spirit's fire. We often let the fire go out. I mentioned E.T. earlier, and you remember E.T., you know, he's got the heart light, you know, it's glowing, glowing, glowing. But then when the, space, the mothership was far away, what happened? It went out. It starts to fade. He died. Then he came back alive. I hope I didn't wreck the movie for you. But uh, uh, the, he came back alive. You know, the heart, the, the ship starts coming back. He's close to the mothership. It come, and that's spiritually the same with us. When we get far from God, the fire goes out. When we get, stay close to Christ, our Joshua, we stay close. It, we're glowing. You know, something changes in us. You know, it, it, it changes everything. It's, that's why we need retreats. The youth group on the retreat. That's why we need retreats. That's, you heard the teens' testimonies and how God spoke to them. It helps us stay close to God. But we, we, need, we need that constant time to stay close to God. I want to encourage you to, us to learn from that. Don't let the fire go out. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. We need to stay close to Him. And, and not, don't put on a veil. Moses put on a veil because he didn't want to see what was happening. So many times we do that. We put on a mask, don't we? We put on a mask. Everybody says, how's it going? Good, good, good. Everything's good, right? But really, we're not good. We've lost our glow. We've lost our supernatural sunburn. We're let the fire go out. Don't put on that mask. Don't fake it. Even, even the Lone Ranger needed Tonto. Tonto knew what he looked like underneath. There's got to be somebody in our life that we can talk to that knows what's really going on in our life, that we can talk to, that we can share our deepest struggles with. We need to have people to talk to. And don't fake it. Don't go to youth group and don't, Go to a men's group and don't go to the ladies' group. Don't go to home fellowship. Don't come to church faking. Share with people what we're really struggling. We all struggle. We have to share our struggles with each other. We all struggle. We need God's mercy and grace. We need to, that's why it says carry one another's burdens. We have to carry each other's burdens and help each other and, and not, oh, you're messing up again. No, encourage people. That mercy and grace, we need that. I know how much I struggle. We need each other. We need to stay close to Christ, and we need to help each other with that. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe you're here today, and you say, that's me. i got a mask on. I've been faking it. I have been opening up and sharing with people I know love me and people I trust, people I, I know spiritually I can, that will help me. Maybe in your heart your commitment today is, God, I'm going to share with somebody. I've been struggling with this thing long enough. I know I need to talk to somebody. If you just tell me you need to talk to someone, if it's not me, I can help you find someone. I can connect you with a Christian counselor, anything. We, we can help each, I can help you with that. We can help. Maybe the fire's gone out. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Maybe you've put out the Spirit's fire by not being in the Word or in prayer or discerning in our life, discerning in some way. We've allowed something in our life, some evil in our life, some sin in our life. We've been squeezed by the world, as we talked about, and our, our attitudes and mind has, been, has started to lose its discernment, and we started to become like the world. Maybe here today, and you don't have the fire, 
because you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, our Joshua. Maybe you're still facing judgment because you've broken the law like every one of us has and you've never received forgiveness. Jesus has made a way through that judgment. But it takes a step of faith. We have to surrender our sin. You can do it right where you're sitting. Say, God, I don't want my sin anymore. I know I've broken your holy law. I know I deserve cosmic justice. But I'm asking for mercy. I'm asking for forgiveness. I repent of my sin. And I put my faith in your son Jesus. Who died on the cross for me. Forgive me. I put my faith in Jesus, and I'm going to follow him. I give you my life, and that life that you gave Jesus, resurrected from the dead, that same power, I ask you to give me that same power in my life. I'm going to follow Jesus. If you've prayed that prayer and given your life to Jesus Christ, putting your faith in him, you now have a fire. It's just starting, but it's going to become powerful in your life as you get to know Jesus and as you surrender to him areas of life and as you spend time with him and in his word and with other Christians. It's going to be a, a, a burning fire. I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you came with a family member or a friend. Maybe you tell me on the way out or fill out the card in the bulletin or text me, email me. I love getting those texts and calls so that we can encourage you and help you grow in your new faith and be excited for you because it's awesome. It's awesome. Father, every day is a battle. Every day we're pulled down spiritually. It's like gravity, just constantly pulling us down the world and the flesh and Satan and sin, pulling us down. We need your spirit. We need the fire of your Holy Spirit to fill us, to renew us daily. To help us live in the joy and the peace and the power that you've promised us. Just as we trusted you by putting our faith in you for salvation, may each of us every day, every hour, every minute, every second depend on you through faith for our sanctification, becoming like Jesus. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.